Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. You need the disruptive individuals in a collective to shine through. Otherwise, the team becomes predictable. Hi, I'm Julia Middleton, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. This week, we're going to talk to Kelly, who has led a rugby team to, to triumphs. And we're going to talk to her about how you combine the individual and the collective in a team. Before we do that, let's just step back for a minute. Over the last few weeks, we've been sort of um, tracking the book that's come out recently called If That's Leading, I'm In, which captures what we learnt from the first Women Emerging Expedition and invites you to go on an expedition of your own. The book, If That's Leading, I'm In, is, is a sort of handbook as you go on your own expedition to find an approach to leadership that works for you. We've been tracking it because part of the book, right in the middle of the book, there's a bit about what it takes to lead and and what you have to sort of, what you have to, let's say, dump. All the things that when you're leading, you have to dump it to jettison them. Like the sense, for example, that you're not enough. You've got to get rid of that. And we've been through the things that you have to reframe because when you start leading, you often have to reframe things in your mind. An, instinct, an example of that is, is instincts, which we so often are encouraged, encouraged to think of as our weakness, but probably our instincts are our superpower. And we talked about, therefore, what you need to jettison or dump, what you need to reframe, what you need to find And essentially, that is, what is your purpose in leading? Why are you leading at all? And now we go on to what you need to figure out how to combine when you're leading. Combine meaning, well, important to say, we mean combine, not balance. A lot of people talk about balancing different things in leading. I find that difficult because it sort of implies a trade-off. We're much more interested in combining things that, that, that begin to feed each other and, and, and the energy that the feeding produces. Often you're combining things that might appear to be diametrically imposed and not even fit, fit together at all. But um, I think probably they do fit together. So dumping, reframing, finding, combining... Uh, in the book, there's lots of suggestions of what you might dump, reframe, find or combine. And I know that many of you, if you read it, can think of other things that are on your dumping list, reframing list, finding list and combining list. Anyhow, this week for this podcast, we're going to talk to Kelly about the first of the combines, how you combine both 
the need for individuals to star in a team and for the collective to thrive in a team. It's, I would think, possibly one of the toughest things that we have to do as a leader, um, especially if we're somebody who is deeply committed to inclusivity. So talking to Kelly felt like absolutely the right thing to do. Her life is this. How do you how do you combine these two things when you're leading a sports team? And in her case, leading a really high level rugby team to triumphs. And Kelly starts by describing this combining of individual and collective as weaving. Yeah, it's it's a weaving of the two. It's you know, it's a weaving. It's uh, but at moments, at moments, it can be completely individual, and you have to leave it alone to be individual. And then at moments, it's collective, and at times they merge together and they're weaving. So how that magic is created is just there's just so many different variables. In rugby, you have very diverse team of individuals like you've got physically diverse people, but you also have positionally diverse and 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 personality diverse. So that's why I love rugby. But so as a leader, you have to try and make this team hum and call it humming, um, develop the team culture, but not at the expense of losing each team, team member's unique strengths. When I think of the very start, the very first practice, this is where for me as a leader, it always starts. So the very first practice we have, just like me teaching in a university with my very first day of students, they're all individuals. So that very start where everybody is an individual is where the process of creating collectivism starts. So um, for example, I'll give you an example. My approach to a very first practice with 25 new individuals who are all worried about people judging them is to come in and have like a really high energetic leadership approach. Um, and the reason I do the reason I do that is is because they're all standing around, they're redoing their laces on their boots a million times because they're really uncomfortable that people are judging them and they're all individuals at that moment. But as soon as I come in with this high energy, I kind of shift that judgment to me as a leader and all of a sudden their purpose is to judge me as a leader. And so that's usually my first point. So that high energy is so, for me, is so important as a leader to come in and say, now start judging me. And that's that, that's that first moment that they get that collectivism is that it's not on them anymore, but they're judging me as leader. Not always and, that, nice judging. and that bonds them. It does. It does. Yeah, it does. I've learned through my experience that but same, similar with my students at university, I do the same kind of approach and they are, it really has a really unique bond right at the moment is it's us, not us, not, not them against me, but let's got, we have something else. Uh, we have a common bond right now that we're all looking and judging this one person at the same time. <laughs> no pressure. No, that's what I said. <laughs> but you know what? It doesn't bother me because it, it it's what creates that first moment of collectiveness. And that's why I love team sport is because as a leader, it's just, it's so challenging that you've got to be really creative and innovative in taking 25 individuals or 15 or how many you have and finding the way to connect them so they become a collective. That's my initial. Um, but 
then even through that first practice, as they're practicing as a collective, they're doing similar activities together. I make sure I nominate the uniqueness in each of them, their strengths. So I, I like as a leader, I don't want them to come a complete collective because that's groupthink. And the game's not about that. There's uncertainty all the time. So we need their unique characteristics to come out. So I think as it's really important that as you get them towards more and more as a collective, you still remind them of their uniqueness and their individuality because we're going to need that on the game. I can't let them forget that. So they're going to need to know that. So throughout that whole, you know, the next few practices, it's all about practicing together, doing team bonding, you know, doing team culture stuff, but always telling them and reminding about their individuality and their uniqueness. Has that process ever caused the collective to think that you have favourites? I don't know, actually, good question, but I try, I've always learned from an early age in coaching, actually coach education, is that by the end of the training, you must say one positive feedback to every single person. That is your challenge. I've learned that from a, since I, I've been coaching since I was 14. And so I've always been told, so I've always gone by that and I always pass that on to the coaches that I coach and teach too. Um, but it could, yeah. If I don't, if I don't get to the end, if I always keep saying the same person, cause you've got your own biases, don't you? So go back to what you said a moment ago, is that you don't want to make the collective so strong that individuals can't shine through. Yeah, because there's a danger with the collective becoming so strong in, in groupthink. And in a team sport, it's kind of going, it's funny because it goes against, you know, you're constantly trying to build that team culture and make sure everybody uh goes together towards a purpose at the same time but that group think is dangerous and it's it's when you're playing an opposition the other opposition will will catch on to you if you are a strong collective that doesn't bring in unique or individual aspects to your game you're certain you're predictable you know, we're, we're almost like robots. So it, it's, it's to bring that uncertainty to the opposition, you need to keep hold of that individuality, just like in any group, like in a board, um, like keeping, holding on to that individuality. You don't want group drink in a board because that, you know, that's why diversity is so strong is to keep that uniqueness um, into the decision-making. So yeah, I'm a big believer is it's that, again, it's that balance I say and weave of getting them to a collective, but at any point you can, go back quickly into the individual um, aspects and the moments of brilliance that you need from that person. This is fascinating. I've got so many questions. So how do you, I keep going from one to the other, but that's combining, I suppose. Hmm. How do you make sure that the collective is actually proud of its stars? Well, Within a team, the collective is everybody. So everybody will have their own unique contribution to the team. So Yeah, no, Kelly, that sounds nice. And of course that's true. <laughs> but, but there are still stars. Let's get to the and, gist of it. And, and I put my money on the thought that um some of the stars are not particularly good, are much less good at collective. 
Yes, yes. Okay, so that, that yeah, is true. If you, if you have an individual purpose, yes, it's actually quite difficult to adopt a collective purpose. So yes, so and and take it away from sport. I mean, I can think of lots of teams where you've built the collective really well, and actually, it's, it's not that predictable. It's it's clever at weaving in and out, but it begins to resent the stars mm. who can often cross their arms and sit back and often unknowingly sneer at the others, but suddenly have an elevated view of their own contribution. Mm. Now how and and you need them and and the truth is that yeah. to me a lot of leading is is about that really difficult decision when mm. when does the star uh, become so full of themselves that they undermine the collective completely and however starring they are you can't afford to have them in in the game in the in the team you know i mean mm. you can think of lots of i can mm. think of lots of organizations well, or sales situations where you have a, a salesperson who absolutely smashes all their targets and everybody in the collective loves having that salesperson as part of them. And then mm. something happens and they become a destroyer. Even if they're hitting all their targets, they're destroying everything you're building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in team sports, we call that the energy zappers. Go on, tell me. Yeah, so that, that that's Clive Woodward's uh, the English ex English coach, and he he started that uh, with England rugby. Is that he his best players he found um, the ones that were energy energy zappers. He got rid of them from the team um, because the toxic behaviors that they brought was infiltrating the collective, and it was starting to break it apart. So I guess your answer to the question is yes, there'll always be within a team sport those those toxic um, players or people, um, and it does. I always believe it comes down to the leadership and how strong are your leaders within your team to either um overcome some of that toxic if there's too many toxic players then it become then it takes over and it breaks down the collective so i guess it's back to that balance isn't it one or two and i've had one or two in my team over the years and yes it's been it's it's been hard because it's all about them um but they were the stars they were the stars so it was more of us accepting just enough of that as a team to absorb i guess is absorbing that as a team as the collective just enough if that it was okay. Um, if there was two or three more, I think that would have brought over the balance. And then those those players would have been gone from the team. So maybe it's a it's a going over, it's a balance, but it's there's a certain level of toxic toxic behaviors or energy zappers, um, as Clive Woodward used to call it, um, that you can keep in a team, in any team, hey, but and still absorb that kind of negative energy, but but know that it still has a place in the team for that positive result. Yeah, that's fascinating to, me too, to think about that. 
And as a leader, what do you do about them with the collective? You 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 smile at them, you laugh, you analyze. What do you do to get the collective to accept that level of toxicity? You know, you you as the yeah. leader can see yeah. the value of it. Yeah. How do you persuade the collective <laughs> to see the value of it? Negotiation. I did a lot of negotiation with, with my national team. So uh, we had a couple of real individuals and the collective, it was always back and forth saying frustration, frustration that they weren't like us. But knowing that these these, you know, two individual, one individual was was one of our best players in terms of uh, results, very results driven. Um, so it was negotiation. It was it was chatting to the collective, chatting to the individuals, seeing if there's any understanding. Often there wasn't understanding because it's just so ingrained in them that the their individual behavior and the collective. But I was a constant negotiator between the coaches, between the collective and between the individual. So it's that putting out fires. It actually, it felt like I was putting out fires and, 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 and uh, it was tiring. It was tiring, but, and it was constant negotiation, but in the end, we got there. We got it. We found a middle ground between all of us. So what were you saying to them? Um, so it was reasoning on whether it was worth not uh, getting rid of the individual, individuality, or was that worse or to the benefit of the team? So to the collective, they really wanted um, fulfillment in was it what was the best for the team that was the angle that i often negotiated with the team is what's the best for the team okay the individual actually is the best for the team in terms of they push us forward they give good results um the collective it was often focused on on the process and the journey to it whereas the individual was focused on the results so we needed we needed someone to focus on the results lots of times and, and we relied on them for that results and, and, and to score those tries in the last, you know, two minutes of the game. Um, so lots of conversations, but just for the individual, it was more the, the, the discussions and negotiations on being a better team member, a better collective. And the collective was what is this, what's best for the team, for the individual. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this overwhelmingly goes back to leading is all about endless communicating and very often negotiating. But you were always transparent about these issues, were you? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I had to be transparent. I had, I had to have those hard conversations. <laughs> it comes back to hard conversations and communication between all the players. If If the communication, if there was no communication, then... The collective would go talk behind everyone's back and the individual would talk behind each back. So it's that clear and transparent communication that was just, yeah, it's, it's essential at all times. Hard, but essential. So Kelly, tell me about if you've got a blank sheet of paper and you're putting it together a team, mm. how do you put together a team? that is going to be strong in its individuality and its collectivity? When choosing a team, um, yeah, in rugby it's 15, and usually yeah, about 23. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. You want to, your, your first, your first instance in, in selecting is you want to select the players that make the team hum. So it's really a collective, you're really going on the collective response. So the players that are living and they're breathing the collective, and you know that when they're on the field, the team will hum. What does hum mean? So hum means uh, like in team culture, which we talk about, the team culture is is flawless. It's it's moving together. Um, often in, in sport, they say it's a dreamlike state where you're just together, you know each other's movements. Um, you know, you can turn one way and someone will pass you the ball with your eyes closed. Like it just hums. You know everybody inside and out. Now, within this humming, this is where the important individual X factor players need to fit in. You need those because you need you need a couple of them because they're the results. So they they give the balance to the the individuality and the collectivism. You don't want to be completely collective because you want that you need that diversity thinking or you become predictable. So first and foremost, the majority of them will be the ones that are collective in nature, and you know that they will they they will perform as a team. And then you pick the one or two that you know will spark the team. Because often as a collective, when you're coaching and they're playing, they hum and they're good. And it's kind of this monotoned, just it's an play, en- play. It's an energy, but it's a sort of, it's a level energy. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's Yeah. And you can feel it and it, it everything's working nicely. It's a nice feeling. And you need something to inject. You need something just to raise it to the next bar. And that's where those individual players do it. They'll get the ball and they'll, you know, run around three people and they'll fend one player. And then all of a sudden the energy of the crowd gets up, the energy of the team gets up and it changes that level energy, like you said, from the collective to a next level up. So it's really trying to get that balance on getting a, a, a good collective majority, but also those players that when you need them in the right time, they're perfect for getting that energy up to the next level. Mm. What are the ones that you would avoid having in? Um, I avoid choosing players that I know will give up. Will give up, have that kind of fixed mindset. I, I, I really... I really try and avoid choosing ones that I know if they don't do the right thing, they'll give up, they'll sulk, um, they'll go as far away from the collective as possible. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just really disturbing and it becomes toxic. So those ones are, are fed out, usually as a coach, those ones um, quite early on are, yeah, not part of the team towards the end. Um, give them a go, give them a go and see, because a lot of times those type of athletes have been natural athletes their whole life and everything's come easy to them. And now there's a certain level where everyone's kind of caught up to their to their bar and and they're, they're not used to they haven't trained their brain. They haven't trained their brain in that. Keep going, keep going, that growth mindset. So you give them a go and, and you see if you can create that. But sometimes it's just so fixed in their mind that it's actually a detriment to the team. And actually, they might fizz in another situations they're mm-hmm. just not going to fizz here exactly it usually is life there's different life experiences that happens over and over and what about what are the 
people that you avoid who are too collective? I think about when I think of players that are too collective, they go with the flow. But I don't ever think that they want to push the bar any higher, if that makes sense. It's yeah, it's a complacency that the that they stick with the collective, um, but you can see that they will not try and bar, pull that bar higher. So what happens is that when that unique person raises that bar and the rest of the collective lifts, they get left behind. So you need those people in the collective so that is, there's that balance again, that when the bar gets raised, the collective raised. So you need that high level collective <laughs> within your collective to keep in there because they'll just get left behind. They, they, won't, raise, they won't raise with the collective. And they too will get miserable. Yes. It's yep. not good for them. No, 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 not at all. Not at all, because they're used to being part of the collective and now they're not part of it and they don't know how to raise to be the rest of the collective. Yeah, they don't feel like they belong anymore. There's just so many questions to ask you, Carrie. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. It's <laughs> It's my world, Julie, it's my world. <laughs> How do you make sure that you as the leader don't sort of um, get stuck in individual or collective yourself thinking? Mm. Yeah, and I'm thinking myself as a captain on the field You're always stepping back. Hey, I always felt like I, I stepped back. I never was part of the collective and I was never part of the individual. Explain. Yeah, I always felt like I was in my own space and, 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 and like I said, being the negotiator. So I felt I have a negotiation between the two and it, it wasn't that I was wanted to be just by myself. I just felt if I stepped back, um, I could see. I could, I could see the collective, I could see the individual, I could see the relationships between them. Because if I became the collective, I became part of their collective thinking and I would be biased towards the individual. So stepping back, I always felt I had, I had to see, I had to see where the collective was coming from. I had to see where the individual was coming to maintain those negotiations and to maintain those relationships and keep the flow of the team. So you have to step back so that you can see. Mm. And the temptation is to charge ahead. Yeah. 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 No, no, definitely. You want you want to lead by example and go, but you also need to step back and 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 make sure those relationships are okay. And I think there came like there would come points where I was okay with the relationships. They looked all connected. And then I would go in front and say, come on, let's do it. And then I'd step back. And make sure that the yeah, and then step forward again. <laughs> it was a dance. It was a dance too. <laughs> no, because it's interesting. I talk a lot about you know you can lead from the front, the middle, the side, or the back. And actually, and I always, of course, love the middle. But I think you, if you were my boss, would be saying, "Step back, Julia, not to the back, 
but or maybe step up or step out or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, step into a space, eh? <laughs> step into step into a space that doesn't make you distant and aloof, but no. it allows you to see. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's hard to describe, isn't it? It's just, yeah, it's your own space. But like you said, not it's not disconnected. It's just your own space, isn't it? What does it feel like when you're leading and the energy is all right? The team is combining individual and collective. What does it feel like? The only way to describe it is that it's it, it's it's a dreamlike stage. They 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 call it the optimal state of sport. Individuals get it. I've I've got a top and it's just. You don't really remember it at all. It's just, it's like a dream. Like, it's like you're floating. It's like, it's not, yeah, it's not floating, but it's, it's hard to describe. But every time people talk about this optimal space state in sport, they always say the same thing. It's so hard to describe. It feels like dreamlike and it just feels like absolute flow. And to me, it feels like energy. Yeah. 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 Yep. And nothing else exists. That's the one common thing that people say is nothing else exists. I mean, you might have two people watching your game. They don't exist. You might have 40,000 people watching your your own space, your own bubble with on that field. Mm. Thank you so much, Kelly. That was a, a tour de force, a wonderful a wonderful experience. I loved thinking up the next question for you. Um, that was wonderful. And, and in many ways, it sort of reinforced one of the biggest things that we, there was an outcome from the first expedition we went on is, is all of us increasingly thought that leading is about generating energy. How do you generate and maintain energy and momentum and energy and energy and energy? That's energy seems to be the sort of at the heart of the book. If that's leading, I'm in. So thank you for all those insights. Next week, we're going to combine two other things that appear to be diametrically opposed. Uh, I look forward to doing it. And in the meantime, send you much love. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org. Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in. Really